As always, it's so good to be with you. And how are we doing, church? We doing all right? Enjoying this fall? It's kind of slipping in pretty quickly, isn't it? And what a great joy it is. Boy, we got, we got some brutes over here. I tell you, this football team looks pretty tough. We're so glad to have you with us today and sitting together. We're really proud of all of our athletic ministry. And I, I bet you, are you pretty good at tackling? Yeah, okay, all right, okay, that sounds good. And then on this side, we got the choir. Well, I tell you, what a, what a gift. It's good to have you all back and from your summer break and fired up and every and you just keep growing you just keep growing that's good i like that uh really really makes for some great sound doesn't it well uh, uh this week's reading the first reading and next week's actually comes from a prophet known as amos you ever heard of amos uh amos was considered to be a minor prophet um not like some of the what we call major prophets like isaiah and jeremiah and those he was an interesting guy. You know, one thing I like about God, he, he really likes diversity. And uh, Amos was interesting because he wasn't a priest. A lot, of, a lot of the prophets were priests, you know, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, some of those, Ezekiel. Uh, he was a dresser of sycamore trees. And, and we're told that at the, at the introduction to the book itself. He dressed sycamore trees. Now, what does that mean? Well, you can't think about sycamore trees like sycamore trees here. These are over in Israel, and they're different. Uh, they produce fruit, is what they do, like a fig. It looks like a fig, but it's not a fig. And uh, because they're sort of finicky, you might call it, they, they require a lot of attention. And that's what, that's what Amos did for a living. He uh, gave them a lot of attention so that they would produce lots of fruit. So just by the nature of what Amos did, we know that Amos was poor. Uh, he didn't have a whole lot of money, and he lived off the land. You know, land was everything uh, to him. He, he truly lived off of the land. And he was a perfect prophet, if you think about it, for what God was trying to do, because the nation at that point was, uh, had turned greedy, <laughs> basically. I mean, that's really what had happened. They had become greedy, a greedy bunch, and they were, they were doing some great injustices, not only to the poor, but also to the environment. Uh, you know, taking advantage of these types of issues for personal gain at the cost of others. And God has a few things to say about that, actually, and what he does. But uh, I really relate to him as I think about prophet, what he's, what he's professing, and in my own life growing up. I grew up in the hills of southeastern Kentucky. Most of you all know that, don't you? Uh, it's an interesting place because it's a place that is rich in natural resources. Um, if you go to Kentucky, go down in the southeastern Kentucky, there's mountains. Mountains got trees on them, and so that's a natural resource, timber. And then if you dig in the mountain, guess what you find? Coal, you know? And coal is a, is a very big natural resource as well. Um, and so those are the kinds of they were mined and cut, and uh, those are the kinds of things that I saw as a little boy. But I also some of the saw some of the fall out of that. I remember one spring day, my dad, he looked, he was distressed. My dad never got distressed, okay? He was tough as nails, uh, but he got distressed. He said, let's go up and look at the levee. 
uh, because there was a levee, and it's like, if the levee breaks, guess what? We're in big trouble because our house is right by the levee. And, uh, but it was an interesting day because there was such a roar. I mean, the, you could hear it. It's like, where's that roar coming from? And so we drove up to the levee, and guess what? It was, th there was so much muddy water. I mean, it was right to the top of the levee. And uh, there, because there was a lot of rain. But that wasn't the problem. Uh, and then, you know, there was a railroad trestle there. There was a bridge. And man, there was these trees, big trees that were coming off the mountain and hitting, hitting the, the uh, bridge and the trestle. Boom! Kind of thing, you know. Well, what happened? Strip mining. Strip mining. And they didn't reclaim the land. And so when the water hit, when the rain hit, there was nothing to hold the water in, and guess what? Down it comes. And with it, the mud, the trees, and everything else. So, uh, you know, I'm very in touch with the, uh, the environment and the sensitivity to it. Also think about toxic dump, way, uh, dump sites. You've heard of those, haven't you? Now this is how they did it in southeastern Kentucky. They'd take their barrels of toxic waste, they'd drive up the mountain, and they'd pull over and then they'd roll them out down the hill. And that was how it worked. That's why Dad said, don't ever drink the water. Do not drink the water. It'd be bad for you. Uh, you know, but rather than disposing of it, it in a good way, it was just laying there, just polluting the heck out of everything. Also uh, saw the, effect, the environmental effects on the coal mining industry. Um, coal mining is everything in southeastern Kentucky. See, when you live with mountains, when you live on mountains and there's no flat place, you can't build any plants or anything. So all you have is what you can get out of the mountain. And uh, when, when the, with all of the global warming, the emissions issues that came up, coal's not in season right now, is it? And uh, basically, if your economy's built on coal, guess what? Well, our town's a ghost town. That's what it is right now. Our little town has become a ghost town. Um, and probably don't know if it'll change or not, if it'll go back. But see, these are some of the challenges that we face that, you know, Amos was looking at, Amos was looking at too, in terms of taking care of our environment. And um, it's really challenged. I think that's one of the other challenges with natural resources. When you haul them off, you know, you come in, you cut the timber, you mine the coal, you haul them off in a railroad car or a lumber truck, whatever, it's sort of nameless. You forget it. You know, by the time we get it, and it's, uh, you know, providing the air conditioning or whatever, the lights, keeping the lights on kind of thing. Uh, we forget that there's, there's a lot to that. And a lot of times the people uh, that are mining those things, that those environments, have really taken some big hits. And, and uh, that's exactly what's happened here uh, with, with what Amos is seeing as well. But why do I say that? I say it because you and I are called to be good stewards of the environment. That's what we're called to do. It's not a political issue. I speak to you today from the scripture, from the word of God and the teaching of the church. And that's my authority, not politics. My authority is God and what God believes and that's what I, that's what I live by. I don't live by anything else. Um, 
But I want to share with you a couple thoughts about the environment and your responsibility. You know you have a responsibility. Do you know that? You really do. Let me give you a couple thoughts. One is God loves the environment. Boy, that, that sort of settles it for me. When we go to the book of Genesis and we see God creating this, God created, God always saw it was good. And then he created humanity. And humanity's role was to look over everything. You know, God did not rest until he created humanity. Why did he do that? Because humanity had responsibility. They were placed in charge of watching out, looking over for it. God loves you. God loves creation, all of it. Listen to some words out of the 104th Psalm. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branch. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle, plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. How many are your works, O Lord? Do you think God loves his creation? Well, of course he does. I mean, there's nothing in the scriptures that's contrary to that. I've never found anything. No, he loves it. Jesus loved it. Look at the way Jesus created, create, treated the environment when he walked on the earth. He was setting the example. See, that's a given. Here's some things that we have to remember. You and I are called to take care of the environment. That's what we're called to do. You know what that's called? We heard it in the gospel reading today. It's called stewardship. Stewardship. See, everything belongs to God. You know, you may have title on a car or something, but it all belongs to him. It's his. I mean, it all belongs to him. It it's all belongs to him. And uh, it's not like we're owners. You know, we don't own it because when we die, guess what? We relinquish it, don't we? It's not ours. It uh, doesn't work that way, does it? And what God has done, he's entrusted you with the responsibility to take care of what he has created. And not just the environment, but everything. He's uh, given us that responsibility. And that's what it is that we are to do. Here's our problem. Here's where we get in a problem today. I've seen this. The more that our culture forgets God, doesn't believe in God, then what you become is another part, another piece of an ecosystem. You know, we talk about that, don't we? You're just another, you're just another clog in the chain. God doesn't say that. No, he says you're responsible. Now, why? God, why do you make that demand upon me? Here's why. Do you realize that there's not another creature on the face of this earth that's like you? Do you realize that? Why is that? Well, it's not because you're pretty. No, that's not what it is. What is it? You've been given, you've been made in the image and likeness of God. You've been given the gift of reason. There's the key. No other creature on earth can reason. 
can make sense, can manage like you can. And so you're not just a cog in a wheel. No, what you are is you're a steward. Uh, Jesus, Jesus affirmed that over and over again in the scriptures. You're in charge. You're in charge, doesn't he? And uh, we, can't, we can't avoid that issue. Uh, we really can't. So we have a responsibility to reclaim land. We have a responsibility to look for ways to manage toxic waste. We have a responsibility to reduce emissions in the environment. And we have a responsibility to help those who are displaced as a result of it. But you're a steward. You're a steward. Third thing we see is be good stewards in your own little world. Now, what I've been talking to you about right now is sort of the global perspective, you know. Uh, but your world, you live in a little world, don't you? We all live in our own little world, and we're responsible for that. We're responsible to be good stewards in that. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, LEDs, have you ever heard of LEDs? Well, what are you doing? You're being energy conscious, aren't you? Uh, you're not, you're not, you know, that kind, using energy efficient products is, is a very important one. Um, what's some others? Recycling. Have you ever heard of recycling? Yeah, that's a great way. You know, why do you, why do you put, uh, why do you want to put something in a, in a, a, a big dump site that's going to sit there for years and years and years? Why not recycle it? Or here's another one, here's a sort of a larger one. Battery-powered cars, you know, a battery-powered car. Let me, I, this is a prophecy. In 50 years, that's all you'll see on the road is a battery-powered car. So let me tell you, in 50 years, if you tell your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren that you drove a gas-powered car, they're going to look at you like, boy, you lived way back there, didn't you? You know, where'd you come from? Man. Grandpa's old, isn't he? Uh, but that's being a good steward. See, that's, that's reducing emissions in the world. And so we have a responsibility to do that in our own little world. The final thing is this. Be a witness to your Christian faith through your stewardship of the environment. After, it, it's very obvious today. I mean, if you look at people, if you begin to take God out of the equation, you know, what do you have left? Well, you do good things, don't you? You just do them for the sake of doing good because that's who you are. God created you that way. Uh, that's, that's the way it works, isn't it? People can still relate to that. And when they see you living your faith, which affirms the goodness of creation, which affirms that you are a steward, a good steward, and taking responsibility for it, guess what? You challenge them. And what does this person have? I want some of that. You know, I want some of that. What does that? Uh, it makes a difference. You know, what would somebody think if they saw a Christian throwing a bag of McDonald's trash out the window after they get done eating? You know, what would that be like? Well, they don't care. 
Uh, people still do it today, but not like they used to do it. You know, you ever heard of "Don't be a litter bug"? Remember that? Some of you older, some of you younger, you don't you don't know that. But if you're older, you know it. Don't be a litter bug. That's right. But just throw your trash out on the ground. Well, people see that and they say, "Well, what's Christian about that?" See, you your actions always your actions will lead or turn people away from Christ. It will happen. It works that way. Well, a lot to think about, and I'll talk about this a whole lot more. But God bless all of you. I love you. Be a good steward of the environment.